If you would, remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, you can find that on page 222. Uh, I'll begin reading in verse 6 as we discuss the kindness of Yahweh this morning. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that Yahweh has visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May Yahweh deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May Yahweh grant you fine rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb? And they have become your husbands. Turn back. My daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night that should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, it is exceedingly bitter for me for your sake that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May Yahweh do so to me and more also if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said, no more. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. When they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full, and Yahweh has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when Yahweh has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Please be seated. So last week we began our study in the book of Ruth, this marvelous love story in which we see the covenant kindness of Yahweh on display. We were reminded from Judges chapter 21 that the setting of the story takes place when there was no king in Israel and everyone was doing what is right in their own eyes. We were introduced to Elimelech, Naomi, Malon, Kilion, Orpah, and Ruth. And by the end of verse 5... Five verses in, Naomi was a widow, her two sons had died, and she was left with her two daughter-in-laws in in a foreign land. 
This book is about the Lord, His steadfast love, His covenant kindness to His children. And you might be thinking that this doesn't scream the steadfast love of the Lord so far. But we all need to be reminded that God's unfailing love for His children has nothing to do with our present circumstances or our feelings, but entirely upon who the Lord is. His perfect will for us. Our great God, He keeps His promises, every single one of them. That is enough alone to wake up and to praise the Lord. He does not forget. The Lord is never distracted. He doesn't leave anything to chance. He is seeing to His divine, perfect plan, even when all we see is the darkness and the fog with our extremely limited sight. Here in Ruth, the Lord is walking the path of preparing the world for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to come. He is setting the stage for the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, the death of Christ, and the resurrection of Christ. Even for us this morning, as we explore these verses in chapter 1, we need to see the Lord at work. And He is still working today. If you are His, He is working in your life. He will bring every elect child before the foundation of the world safely home. This short story truly elevates the divine hand of Yahweh, His supreme power, His authority, and His unending rule over all things. Now today it is true, we learn more about the character of these three women as Naomi decides to head home because she has heard that Yahweh has provided food for her people. Although disobedience has occurred and the story seems hopeless, death has occurred, God remains at work. He remains faithful. His plan is right on schedule, and He is smiling behind His frowning providence. Look at verse 6 of chapter 1. And she arose with her daughter-in-laws to return to the country of Moab. Why? She had heard in the fields of Moab that Yahweh has visited His people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. So Ruth was working. Why? Her husband had died. Her two sons had died. She had individuals to supply for. Naomi had to work and provide for herself as well as her two daughter-in-laws. Naomi was not in her homeland. She was void of immediate family and friends. And as far as she knew, Bethlehem, her home, the house of bread, still had no bread. So Naomi is out in the field. She is working in the fields, and she hears of some news. Verse 6, Yahweh had visited his people and given them food. So her ears were privileged to something majestic. Her home now had bread. Yahweh had provided for His people. This is the first time that Yahweh is mentioned in the book, but not the last time, as is referenced to 18 times over the four chapters. Ruth 1 verse 6 reveals our first kindness in which we need to note today. Kindness number one, 
Yahweh shows great kindness to Naomi in her hearing of home. Yahweh shows great kindness to Naomi in hearing of home. Naomi's temporary stay in Moab turned out to be a long, hard season of great loss. But not completely. She had gained two daughter-in-laws. With three funerals and no men now in her life, Naomi was working the field, but Yahweh was at work and he brought her great news. It's no accident that she was out working in the field and all of a sudden she is working the fields to provide for what she had left. She hears that Yahweh had provided food in Bethlehem. The Lord showed great kindness to Naomi in the hearing of home and the Lord's provision. Her family had unwisely fled to a foreign land. Her two sons took foreign women as wives, and yet God was showing his covenant love to Naomi. Look at verse 7 of Ruth 1. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughter-in-laws, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughter-in-laws, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May Yahweh deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. Yahweh grants you that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voices and wept. So at some point after packing up, or shortly after departing, Naomi instructed her two daughter-in-laws to return home to their families. In other words, leave your mother-in-law and go home to your mother. The words, to return here, they're used 12 times in, 14, in the four chapters, and they reveal a physical return. But they also show that Naomi is returning to Yahweh. This is signaling a spiritual renewal. Naomi was going back to Bethlehem, but she was also returning to the Lord. The Lord was extremely kind to Naomi. And now we find kindness number two. Naomi shows great kindness to Orpah and Ruth. Naomi did not desire that her two daughter-in-laws return with her and be burdened with caring for an old lady. It would be easy. It would not be easy. It would be crazy difficult to go back to Bethlehem and to enter and to be two foreigners and live. Verse 9 informs us that Naomi wanted them to remarry. Naomi wanted them to have children and to carry on with life in their homeland with their families. Naomi shows great kindness here. She asked Yahweh, she prayed to Yahweh to deal kindly with them as they had with her and her two sons when they were living. Naomi prays to Yahweh asking that He would provide rest for them as well as husbands. And after praying to Yahweh for them, she kisses them, and they all lifted up their voices, and they wept together. Look at Ruth 1, verse 10. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. So the two younger widows were set on traveling with Naomi to Judah, and to live, and to stay, and to remain with her. Verse 11, this records Naomi's Response, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? 
Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters. It is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Naomi uses extremely strong language by saying twice, turn back, my daughters, turn back, my daughters. Do not follow, do not come with me, stay. She reminds him, I have no sons, and I have no sons on the way. Who will you marry? Who will you bear children with? You had my two sons, you had two husbands, and you were barren the entire time. You had no children. Naomi was most likely here referring to Deuteronomy chapter 25. That if a man dies leaving a widow, the brother is obligated to marry the widow. Naomi was inferring to these women, you need to understand there are no more brothers. She was reminding them, your dead husbands have no brothers. I am too old to get another husband. I am too old to provide you with future husbands. Even if I did have two more sons, would you wait while they grow up and refrain from marrying, becoming an old woman yourself? So Naomi continues her argument at the end of verse 13 with these words. No, my daughter, it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. So Naomi pleads again for them to both go home. She says, it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake. In other words, it is harder for me if you stay because the hand of Yahweh has gone out against me. Do you not see that? Do you not see what I have gone through? If you stay, you will be with me and Yahweh is against me. This will not turn out well for you. Naomi is declaring, look at what I have gone through. I left my home. And what happens? A trial has come upon my life. My husband, he has died. My two sons, they have died. I am too old to get married again. Don't stay with me as I travel home. What good would come to your life being with me, an old widow who has lost almost everything? Please go. You know, we are greatly privileged in reading Ruth, knowing that Yahweh is not against her. We know how the story ends. But as we read in chapter 1, Naomi's hardships and feelings are absolutely logical and real here. She has gone through the storm. She has struggled And looking at things from her perspective, this would be anyone's conclusion. But if you have been born again, your perspective on trials and hardship and loss, it must not conclude with that God is against me. We live in a fallen world and sin has consequences. And we also, we are not all-knowing. God is all-knowing. There are many things that God did that we would not have done it that way. And praise God because his plan is perfect. Ours is not. God, he is 
doing everything, every single work is for our good and his glory as his children. The Lord was not against Naomi. He was at work for her good. In fact, he was working in her life to usher in the coming of Christ, the greatest good that this world has ever seen. I love the words of Lawson Young or Jr. here. The same sovereign Lord has already begun a process whereby Naomi will not only survive, but will be genealogically redeemed. God is moving her back to Bethlehem in order to bring blessing back into her life once again. God is at work. We, we look to Him and we are thankful for His steadfast love. You know, the sovereignty of God is easy for us as God's children to grasp when everything is going well, isn't it? When everything in our life is going well, it is easy for us to say, praise God for His sovereignty. But when famine strikes and your spouse dies along with two children and you are left with two daughter-in-laws who are barren, leaning on this truth becomes difficult. We must not walk during our trials seeing only disaster. We must trust Yahweh who is providentially ruling. Theology matters, especially in seasons of what we might call worse versus better. It's like when husband and wife get together. Usually, typically, you hear the words, for better, for worse. Even if we feel like we have worse coming from the Lord, we don't base our life upon feelings. We base it upon who the Lord is. Theology matters, especially in seasons of what we might call when things are for the worse. We must know God and His promises. We must not craft a false God of our own making. We don't serve a God who is weak. We serve a God who is all-powerful. We don't serve a God who is not in control. We don't serve a God who is wringing His hands in heaven wondering what in the world is going to happen. We don't serve a God who is wondering, I wonder what will happen tomorrow. We serve a God who is working all things together for good and for those who love Him. Who is He knows the end game is His glory. Therefore, when we are overwhelmed with our present circumstances... Do not be blinded by your feelings, but know who God is holding on to his every promise. Naomi had deep loss and deep pain. It penetrated to the very core of who she was, but she was not fully empty. God was there. God was at work. And despite her great loss and wrong belief. She says over and over again, Yahweh is against me. Go home. Yahweh is against me. Go home. Do not stay here. Go home. Yahweh was not against her. So did Naomi's plea change Orpah and Ruth's mind? Verse 14. Then they lifted up their voices again and wept again. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. In other words, Orpah turned back and left. Ruth clung. Naomi says, See, your sister in law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister in law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. And this is where we learn so much about Ruth. 
Where you go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May Yahweh do so to me. And more also of anything but death parts from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. In other words, Ruth's response caused Naomi to shut her mouth. Orba returned home to her people and to her false gods, but Ruth clung to Naomi. Wisdom and everything, all the circumstances, looking at everything, this would not be something that a young woman should do. She had deep affection and great loyalty for her mother-in-law. Ruth was not leaving. He said, do not urge me to leave or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. Ruth was going to follow Naomi back to her land. She was going to make the 70-mile journey to Bethlehem, and she was going to make sure this old widow made it. And she was going to stay there with her the rest of her life. Where Naomi went, Ruth would go. Where Naomi stayed, Ruth would stay. Naomi's people would be Ruth's people. Naomi's God would be Ruth's God. Where Naomi died, Ruth would also say, I will be buried there as well. What we find here is our third kindness. Kindness one is Yahweh showed great kindness to Naomi in her hearing of home. Kindness two, Naomi showed great kindness to Orpah and Ruth. And kindness three is Ruth is kind in staying with Naomi. I mean, her mother-in-law basically said, I want you to leave, please go. Ruth says no. Ruth was what she would say, all in. She is all in. And she responded to Naomi's plea to go home with a huge no. That's not happening today. Naomi experienced great loss. But Yahweh was with her. Yahweh was at work. And Naomi was not walking home alone. Ruth was remaining with her. Ruth was a wonderful friend, and within God's sovereign and providential hand, Ruth was exactly her name. Her name means friendship. She was a wonderful friend. She was a great friend. She was also abandoning her gods. Did you see that? 2 Kings 3 verse 27 gives us insight into the false gods of Ruth's land. Then he took his oldest son, who was to reign in the place, and offered him for a burnt offering on the wall. And there came great wrath against Israel, and they withdrew from him and returned to their own land. The words of Ruth, your people shall be my people, and your God my God, these words reveal more of who Ruth is, that she was not returning home to her false gods, but her God was Naomi's God. This is an amazing confession of faith. When you have your mother-in-law saying, I want you to return, and she says, no, your God is my God. I will go with you, and I will serve your God till I die. She says, where you die, I will die. There I will be buried. May Yahweh do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. 
You're talking about amazing friend at this point. Her husband had died. There was no more sons that were coming. She was going to live out her days caring for Naomi. And she says, I am pledging myself to you. I am pledging myself to serve Yahweh. This is my life. Ruth reveals the kindness of Yahweh in her kindness to Naomi. It would have been much easier for Ruth to return home. Logic would actually say, go home. You have been released. She is urging you, go home. But her commitment to Yahweh led her to remain with Naomi on the path to Bethlehem. And praise God that she did. Ruth's faith in Yahweh included action. James chapter 2 tells us about this action. So also faith by itself, it does not have works, is dead. Someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. How was it counted to him? He was called a friend of God. You see, a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And the same way was also Rahab, the prostitute, justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For as a body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, you may be listening to this, and you may be thinking, well, it sounds like this is different from what the rest of the Bible teaches. It sounds like the Apostle Paul said something totally different in Romans compared to what James just said in the letter of James. No, The Apostle Paul and James, they're fighting the exact same battle. Their backs are toward one another. They have their swords drawn. They are fighting against two different groups of people with two different groups of problems. They're fighting the exact same battle. One is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. But if you are saved, if you have been born again, the God who justified you will also sanctify you, which means you will live for the Lord. Ruth's words and her actions, it pleased Yahweh. She said she was going to live for the Lord and live right beside Naomi all her days. Ruth was determined. She was strong. Verse 18 confirms it. Naomi. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, it had been established in her heart. There was no turning her back. She said no more. She's like, this is a useless endeavor. I've got to shut my mouth because she's coming. She's coming back with me. Ruth was determined. She was strong. She was bold. She was set on staying with her. Therefore, Naomi said nothing else. Ruth may be a character in the story with very few words, but her actions speak volumes about the Lord. Her actions and her words declare her deep love for the Lord and her steadfast commitment to Naomi. Verse 19, so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. So that's a 70-mile journey. And they came to Bethlehem. The whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Now, when you have a bunch of women get together 
and they recognize a woman walking into the town and they use the words, is this Naomi? That's really not a good thing. So Naomi and Ruth, they watched Orpah walk away. They made the 70-mile journey to Bethlehem. It it would have taken approximately 8 to 10 days by foot. Upon travel, the Scriptures declare the whole town was stirred because of them, meaning they recognized this woman who walked in. There was great murmur because Naomi was back. The women of the town declared, Is this Naomi? These words reveal that her appearance was difficult to recognize and that recent years had been unkind to her. They could tell, Naomi's back. Where's her husband? Naomi's back. Where's her two sons? She was with no husband and with no sons. And the young girl which she knew that no one knew accompanied her coming into Bethlehem. Look at verse 20. She said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Her Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full. Yahweh has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when Yahweh has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Naomi was declaring, yes, I left this place being called Naomi, which means sweet and pleasant. I left full. That was me. I am back and I am not who I once was. You will call me Mara, which means bitter. Yahweh has brought me back empty and bitter. This is now who I am. Yahweh has testified against me. The Almighty, meaning the cosmic ruler, the one who is sufficiently having all power, ruling over everything, has brought calamity upon me. He has afflicted me. I was full, but now I am empty. This is what we need to realize here. Naomi understood the sovereignty of God. She even declared, Yahweh has brought me back. I'm here because Yahweh has done it. But she was not hopeful. She was kind of like Job's wife. When Job suffered, he blessed the name of the Lord. Job's wife told Job to curse God and die. In Job 2, we find these words. Then the wife said to him, Do you still hold fast your integrity? I mean, look at what Job had lost. Job had lost ten children. He lost all of his homes. He had nothing left. He was covered with sores. The only thing he had was a pottery in which it was burned down to scrape his body with. And Job's wife says, why don't you just curse God and die? Like you have sinned against the Lord. Job responded, you speak as one of the foolish women would speak. Shall we receive good from the Lord and shall we not receive evil? And all this Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. Although Naomi was now at home in Bethlehem, it seems Naomi's outlook was to come home and die an empty, bitter woman. Verse 22. So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. And this is where we find kindness number four. 
Yahweh is kind to Naomi and Ruth as they arrive. Yahweh is kind to Naomi and Ruth as they arrive. Naomi was not alone, not even for a moment. And the Lord was providing everything for her. Just the fact that she walked into that city not alone, the Lord provided Ruth. And Ruth verbally expressed faith in the Lord. What a wonderful joy. Your God will be my God. Verse 22, So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her who returned from the country of Moab. So the author seems to place emphasis on Ruth, who is a foreigner, the Moabite woman, who was from Moab, and now she is in Bethlehem. This verse is important. It shows God's kindness extending to a foreigner. This is a picture of the Gentile church. The Lord came first for the Jew as well as the Gentile, and we see that even here in the Old Testament. Naomi and Ruth also arrived at the beginning of harvest. It was barley harvest, meaning it was April. The rainy season was over, and there was much work to be done in gathering the fresh fruit. Do you know what that means? That means she's not only coming home because she had heard that there was food there. She's coming home to where they can work the fields, and they can have food to survive themselves at home. The famine was over. The house of bread had become the house of bread once again. The Lord had brought Naomi back at a convenient, perfect, amazing time in which they could provide for one another. Naomi declared herself empty, and yet the Lord was providing for Naomi. George Lawson provided great wisdom here. He says, let us be deeply sensible that whatever we may want of the good things of this life, we have much more than we deserve. I have friends that I will ask them how they're doing and their first response is better than I deserve. That, I thought of that as I was reading and studying this week. Yahweh provides for, her, for His own And if we belong to Him, we are to trust Him and live for Him, whatever the season might bring. Because the one who is in control of the seasons is the Lord. The Lord was working in Naomi's life. The Lord is committed to His people. She saw it as a great bitterness from the Lord, but it was actually part of the path that leads to the greatest blessing of His people. The Lord knew the perfect path for the coming of Christ. And it involved this little family. In your life, the Lord knows the perfect path in which you must walk for you to be conformed into the image of Christ. I'm not asking if you feel like that's what's going on. I'm telling you, the Lord knows exactly what you must go through. He knows exactly what you must experience. He knows exactly what must happen. When he says, nothing will snatch you out of my hand, he's also saying, the God who justified you is the God who is sanctifying you, and I'm going to bring you home. Yahweh provides for his own. And if we belong to him, we are to trust him and live for him. The Lord is restoring Naomi here. Although she feels empty, we don't live by feelings. And she desires to be called Mara, meaning bitter. The Lord was at work and filling her and ushering in His perfect plan. You know, the path of following Jesus Christ, it is not easy. In fact, the way is hard. 
and few find it. But Jesus Christ is the only way for the salvation of humanity. Christ himself said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Just as we would hold to sola scriptura, we would say salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, or you're not saved. There is no other name given under heaven by which we must be saved, that of Jesus Christ. Yahweh has commanded us to repent and believe in Christ alone for our salvation, following Him. That means not following any other so-called gods, which is the statement that Ruth made. The book of Ruth is a very small love story, but it's ushering in a big story, and that big story is about Christ. If Jesus is not your God, you serve false gods, and you are a sinner without a Savior. The good news of Ruth, the good news of the Bible, the good news that we have in this world is that God has provided a way for sinners to be saved through the spotless Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. He lived a perfect life. He was nailed to the cross. He died in our place. He was our substitute. He drank completely the cup of the Father's wrath, paying for the sins of all who call on Him. For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. He who knew no sin became sin so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. Christ, He was the one treated as a criminal. He was nailed to the cross, the sinless Savior, the spotless Lamb of God in which no one could find any fault in. This was done so that those who believe might become the righteous of God. Not that we are self-righteous, but that God has given us a faith to believe in, and that faith grabs hold of the righteousness of Jesus. So the sinless Savior, Jesus Christ, died, but on the third day, He rose from the dead. I believe this. And after the giving of the Great Commission, He ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for his children, and he has promised that he will return to this world and he will judge every soul. The book of Ruth is preparing this path. So I ask you, do you belong to Jesus? Have you repented of your sins and put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone? Repent and believe. No one is good but God alone, and you need a Savior, and that Savior is Christ alone. You must be born again to enter heaven. I'm not talking about moralistic therapeutic deism where you clean yourself up. I am speaking about you must have Christ as your righteousness. You need a new heart which Christ must provide. If you are his, the question is, are you following him? If not, return to him. As we see that Naomi is returning to her homeland, and in many ways she is returning to the Lord, we must return to the Lord and obey Him. We go to Christ. We find rest in Christ. We knock on the door and we fellowship with the Lord. That is what we have. I love the words of Richard Baxter this week. If your friend were in distress, would you forsake him? And will you forsake your God who needs you not but supplies your needs? Ruth was more faithful to Naomi that resolved, where you die, I will die. God does not deserve worse. In other words, your God has paid it all. God does not deserve anything less than you and I willing to die for Him. 
We are not to become bitter in our suffering, but to turn to the Lord and trust Him because Christ truly is all-satisfying even in the darkness. He is altogether lovely and sweet. Jonathan Edwards declared, Ruth forsook all her natural relations and her own country, the land of her nativity, and all her former possessions there for the sake of the God of Israel, as every true Christian forsakes all for Christ. The reality is we must forsake all for Christ. It's We sell everything. We go to that field. We f- buy that field. We dig down deep. We find the treasure, and the treasure is Christ, and Christ is our everything. The things of this world cannot and do not and will not satisfy. You can live a long life filling yourself with the things of this world, but the reality is the great joy and true fulfillment and contentment is found in Jesus Christ alone. So as, our, as servants of the Lord this morning, Meaning, if you've been born again, if you put your faith, hope, and your trust in Christ and Christ alone, if you hate sin, if you love your Savior, we are to faithfully serve the Lord. You are alive right now because God has given you breath. God has given you another day to live, so let us live to the Lord for his name and for his glory. And let us forsake sin and self and serve the Lord according to what he has breathed out for us to do. You want to know God's will, you know God's word. And you live for him. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, that doesn't sound like me. I don't know if I've repented of my sins. I don't know if I put my faith, hope, and trust in Christ, in Christ alone for my salvation. Here is your warning from you. That is not from me, but from the Lord. God's wrath abides on you. You are not in a good place. You have no savior You have no one to cover your sins. You cannot cover your sins. Your good can never outweigh your bad. Salvation is not because you earn it. Salvation is a free gift of God. Repent, which means turn from your sins and turn towards Christ. Call on Christ. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So you turn to Him. And if you're truly His, you will hate sin. If you're truly his, you will love the Lord. If you're truly his, you will desire to obey and to keep his commandments. You're not going to live a perfect life, but you know the one who has lived it for you, and you love him all the more. Because the one who justifies you, he will sanctify you. He's going to bring you home. I love the story of Ruth. And I know it's not about Ruth, but I love the transformation that I find in Ruth of Ruth declaring, your God will be my God. I will live for you all my days. I am with you. I am not walking away. Do not ask me to turn back. I am here. And as God's children, we need to live that same way. God, you are my God. I am here. I am going to serve you. I'm going to faithfully love you. When I sin, I'm going to confess my sin, and I'm going to walk according to your great and wonderful commands. May the Lord do that in your life. May the Lord do that in my life. And may we become ever more convinced that this life, we are to live, we are to live for the Lord. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, those who have been confronted with truth this morning, hearing the gospel, Lord, and they have not repented and they do not believe, 
and they are angry, would you draw them to you? Father, the beautiful picture that you would provide salvation for sinners. We don't understand it. That a holy and righteous God would send his only son to die on the cross to pay for us and we would continue to sin against you. That is a love that we do not fully comprehend, but a love, Lord, that you are increasing in us who are your children. You are giving us greater clarity and greater understanding of who you are. For we ask right now that you would draw the lost to you, no matter their age, Convict them of their sin, the fact that they need a Savior, that it's not enough to know about Christ. They must know who you are. And you must save them. It doesn't matter if you know, if we know your name. You must know ours. Father, thank you for Ruth. As we continue this love story, may we be dedicated to reading it and studying it and thinking about what you have done in our own life. How gracious and kind you are, your covenant kindness, and bringing forth a Savior to this world. We are benefactors of that. Thank you so much. Thank you that you are a God who is building your church, and nothing will ever diminish and take away your church. Your church will stand firm and steadfast upon what you have done. It's in the holy name of Jesus Christ we pray and we ask all these things. And all of God's people said,